Thank you very much, Alex and Chanju, for the special music. Uh, thank you to the praise team as well. Um, and thank you to all of you. Uh, we have communicated that we would like to uh, have everyone be really ready for worship. We come early, uh, we quiet our hearts, our minds, uh, and we prepare. And uh, that is really, uh, we, I sense that kind of reverence so that we can be ready to worship and be prepared. Uh, as the song says, it's a sweet hour of prayer and worship. So let us continue uh, to do that. And uh, the praise is so beautiful. Um, I feel like it's a spiritual rhythm. We communicate what the theme generally is, and the praise leader like Josh this week will reflect on that and kind of select songs that fit with it. And uh, the purpose of that is it gets our hearts into the flow of worship too. And so thank you very much. And, uh, and it really relates. So let us, uh, with that spirit uh, guiding us and leading us, let us hear what God really has to say to us today. Suffering is a reality of life, and that's what today's passage deals with. Suffering, and that's the truth of life that Buddhists recognize. People either live with suffering, or they live in fear of suffering. And that's the truth that Satan in today's passage recognized. Now the word Satan, that's a translation in Hebrew from El Satan, uh, which also means the accuser. So the accuser is this heavenly being who's been to and fro around the earth. He knows people really well. And he saw this truth about people. All that people have, they will give to save their lives. Right? In other words, people live in fear of suffering and will do anything they can to avoid it. And he's saying religious and upright people like Job appear faithful... Uh, because things are going well, and deep down, they fear the suffering that can come upon their lives. And so this Satan takes it further when he says this, but stretch out your hand, he's talking to God now, and touch his bone and his flesh, and he will curse you to your face. He saw how fragile and weak our faith is. He's wagering with God that uh, once suffering hits Job, he's going to turn away from God. The issue posed by this passage for all of us is, how do we respond to suffering? How should we respond? You know, the question of why people suffer has always been with us. When we suffer or we see others suffer, the first question is always, why? Why must I suffer through this? Why must others suffer? Why did little children have to be taken from their homes and sent far away to schools where they'd be taught that they were inferior, where they were abused, where they even died and were placed in unmarked graves? Why? One response to the question of suffering has been that suffering is punishment for sins. That's something I've never really been down with. When we consider just the first National Day of Truth and Reconciliation we just had, I cannot accept the idea that 
all of those innocent children suffered for their sins or because of their parents' sins. And most people today cannot accept that either. Because that makes for a very cruel God. I think the more common response is, after all the pain we've been through, the disappointments we've faced, the most common response is that God cannot exist because of all the suffering that exists in the world. Or maybe God exists, but I don't know, that God doesn't really have much to do with my life. I think this has become the general operating belief for most people today. We live as though God doesn't really exist. Even if we say with our lips that we do believe in God. The more common reality is that when sufferings and difficulties arise, people try to overcome it by using everything in their power and ability to save themselves from it. And you know, this week I kind of became fascinated by this show that's taken over the globe, right? The Korean show, The Squid Game, Ojingo Game, right? I mean, I haven't seen all of it, uh, but it is, it's really entertaining, first of all. And it really reveals the kind of diabolical mind of these Korean writers, you know. But, you know, the premise of it, I think it's really touched a core nerve in people. The show illustrates the extent to which people will go to survive when they are pushed to the furthest edges. Yes, Satan was right. People will indeed give all that they have to save themselves. And that show depicts a world that's full of cruelty, unfairness, and suffering. It depicts a world absent of God. And because God is absent, people are on their own. And in a world without God, people have to use their every wit, skill, and trickery at their disposal to survive. So, you know, the great paradox of faith is this. How can a God who loves and cares for us coexist with a world that's full of suffering and evil? And the conclusion many people come to is that this paradox cannot hold. A loving and caring God cannot coexist with the world that's full of suffering and evil. The biblical writers struggled and grappled with this paradox too. And all throughout the book of Job, he asks the question that lies at the core of our souls. Why must innocent people suffer? Why does God allow that? In the end, he concludes that he cannot understand why such suffering and evil exist. Biblical writers do not provide a clear answer for why suffering exists. When Jesus was on the cross, he himself asked the question that's at the heart of suffering. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When we suffer, we feel alone and as if God has abandoned us. Many of the Psalms of Lament they lament the seeming absence of God in the face of great difficulty and suffering. 
So biblical writers do not answer clearly why there is suffering. But what the Bible does do is it witnesses to the fact that God responds to human suffering. God responds compassionately and does not leave people alone. Yes, many of the Psalms ask why they feel alone in their suffering. But many of these Psalms also declare how God brought them out of their suffering. Biblical writers do not avoid the paradox of the presence of suffering and evil coexisting with the loving God. But rather, they focus on the side of what God does do. That God does care about us. And that God does come to comfort and deliver people from their suffering. Real faith does not avoid this paradox. But faith focuses primarily on what God does in the face of our great difficulty and suffering. Yes, we experience difficulties and hardships. We see the great suffering around us. But we also see how God has comforted us. You know, when Jesus was crucified on that cross, uh, all the hopes and dreams of his uh, followers were shattered. You know, they had all this, they were so excited for three years. You know, we talked about on Friday, uh, uh, imagine spending every day with Jesus. Like, it's like having that kind of Bible study every day. They're so excited. They see great things. They had all these hopes and expectations, but eventually they were shattered and crushed on the cross. They scattered and ran away in fear. And that's what the cross represented. Defeat, humiliation, death. But the strange thing is somehow these followers who ran away, they eventually came to see this cross as not only that, but more powerfully, the place where from there new hope arises and new life begins. It became the place where darkness does not win, evil does not prevail, and death is not final. So the cross became the path to new life. That's a paradox too. And this is an amazing transformation that these people experienced. I mentioned Friday Bible study, so we're studying Acts in it. And uh, in it, the, uh, the Holy Spirit came down. And what we realize is the Holy Spirit coming down, it's not about that phenomenon of them all speaking in tongues and having these like fire things above them. That's Focusing on that kind of takes away from the essence of what the Spirit was actually doing. What the Spirit did was give the disciples a new understanding of Jesus' death and resurrection on the cross. So in other words, with the Spirit, they reinterpreted the meaning of the cross. It was a symbol. I mean, it's hard to, for us 2,000 years later to really understand what kind of symbol it was. It really was a symbol of defeat and death, of the great Roman machine and power that would crush anything in its path. That's what it was a symbol of. They only executed those who were like considered traitorous or rebellious against the Roman peace and order. Those are the people they crucified on a cross. 
that, that cross was transformed into symbol, not of Roman power, but of God's power and new life. So this cross that was a source of fear actually became their strength. That's an amazing transformation. That's why St. Paul eventually said, you know, when I am weak, I am strong. And this cross became this focal point of this paradox. But it became the point when that paradox is overcome, when God's love overcame the pain and suffering that we experience in this world. It was a symbol of God's solidarity with the suffering of this world. On the cross in Jesus, God took on and bore the pain of this world. That's what it means when you say he bore the sins of the world. All that evil, he bore it. But then, God overcame that. That's the meaning of the resurrection. It's the meaning of Good Friday and the meaning of the resurrection. That's why that's the most important day in our calendar. So when we die with Christ, our suffering is overcome with new life too. That's our core belief. So this cross became the main symbol through which they interpreted all of life. Do you see what I'm saying? They, anything that happened in life, they interpreted through the cross. So, you know, when things happen to us, when things happen to you, you're going through something, whether you know it or not, we are always interpreting what happens to us. We usually don't think about how it is we're interpreting it. But don't be mistaken, we are always interpreting it through uh, some sort of story or narrative or belief that's in our mind. So you have to ask yourself, what voices are shaping how you interpret your life? What stories shape how you view your circumstances? I know for a lot of, a lot of people here, these stories are probably, life was very difficult. My parents or forebears had to struggle so much. So my narrative in life is I have to overcome that by improving my circumstances in life. That's the, one of the fundamental stories. And when I look around me, I see us living in a world that's utterly driven by power and money. I mean, we're all soaked in this mindset, right? I mean, in that show, The Squid Game, the narrative is basically without money, life is just going to be full of suffering, misery, and difficulty. That's the story. And so obtaining that money is the only solution to overcoming suffering. That's why they're willing to go through all that, right? My friends, followers of Jesus interpret every challenge that comes their way through the lens of the cross. Yes, I, I face great difficulty in this moment. And this difficulty can be unbearable. There can seem to be no hope and no way out. And that is the initial experience of the cross. Let's not be wrong. We experience that pain and difficulty. And that's the cross too. That is the experience of Jesus crying out to God why God has forsaken him. But the cross becomes more than that. It's the place where God suffers with us in our deepest pain and sorrow and struggling. 
at the cross, Jesus joins us in our lament and anguish. And at the cross, from that point, we experience God's power. We experience the power of God turning death into life. From turning hopeless anguish into hopeful joy. We experience God's comforting presence that keeps us going. And then at the cross, we find a new calling. A new calling to be in solidarity with those who suffer and struggle as well. And when Jesus, uh, after he resurrected, uh, we, we studied this in Acts 2, he ascended into heaven. <laughs> I mean, after, they think about it, Jesus resurrected, they were so excited again. Okay, there is hope now. But then he just bounced. He took off into heaven. Right? And so they're, they're confused. What do we do now? They're bewildered. I kind of want to break out into my own language too, but. Yo, dog, what do we do now, man? Like, but, uh, but the spirit, so they didn't know. So, so they waited and they prayed. But the spirit came upon them. And what the spirit did is give them a new mission. A new mission to spread the good news to the end of the earth. I mean, think about that. From fearful people who all, all they wanted was the restoration of this kingdom of Israel. But the Holy Spirit came and gave them a new mission to reach out beyond just Israel, to everyone in the world, to be in solidarity and healing with those who struggle and suffer. My friends, the foot of the cross begins with pain and suffering, but through that, we experience God's power, resurrection, and new calling in life. That is why the cross sits at the center of who we are, what we do, as we sang, the cross becomes our anchor, anchor through the storm. You know, the cross is the central focal point of God's love. And we sang, your love is the anchor. My hope is in you alone. That is what the cross is. It's the symbol of life for us. No longer death. We experience our darkness, our pain and anguish there but we will experience God's power and resurrection. So the cross, as I said, is the lens through which we experience and interpret all of life. St. Paul said it like this. For the message about the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. That's right. To a world soaked in power, reliance on just the self, money? The message of the cross is foolishness. What the heck are you talking about? It makes no sense. But for us, it is the power of God. Do you know, I mean, these days, I, I think a lot about how we're shaped in this world. I mean, I've done youth ministry, I've done some college ministry, and, you know, uh, even with our families now, I mean, I most one day a week, maybe two, if there's something like Bible study or something, we come and we listen to the word of God and what, uh, what it has to say about life. But for the rest of the week, you're all out there fully immersed in the world and in how the world thinks really in the back uh, and how it operates. So, I mean, I think we are so shaped by our environment. So we absorb 
everything the world says about how we're supposed to live and even where we get our power from and how we live a good life. So I'm, I always struggle and I wonder and I, and I think about how can we cultivate this lens of faith to, with, to interpret life. How can we come to a point where we truly, the, this cross is not just talk, nice, it sounds nice theological talk, but how can that be real in people's lives? You know, I mean, even when I, I, I mentioned Bible or Bible study, I think for people who don't know the richness of scripture, they think of it as just, it's an old book. It doesn't really, yeah, yeah, it doesn't have much relevance for life today. You know, a good TED talk has much more relevance, right? How can faith flourish in such a world? I mean, I think about that a lot. I, I do worry about it, but I also have faith that God's word continues to flow. And the deeper I get into the Bible, the more I realize that it's not just a concern for today. It's been a concern for every generation. Every generation, even in the Bible, wondered how faith would be passed on to a new generation that hadn't experienced the same wonderful things of God that they had experienced. But I've come to realize somehow God is faithful and God moves in different ways for different times and different places. So I believe God is and will continue to work in new and different ways. That's the wonder and mystery of how God works. Our journey of faith is to cultivate the ability to take each situation that comes our way and reinterpret that in light of the cross. When you face great difficulties and challenges and struggles, interpret what is happening in your life in light of the cross. If you're suffering, wait and pray. Seek God. Lament it. Express it. You can pray, why have you forsaken me? But don't abandon faith. Cling to it. Pray for faith. Pray for strength. Seek the Spirit to give you a new understanding of what you're going through. And when you do experience a moment of resurrection and hope and new life, give praise and thanksgiving. The ultimate destination of the faith journey is to give praise and thanksgiving in any circumstance because we trust in the story of the this day I pray for our indigenous peoples that their suffering may not be in vain that they may be comforted in it that from a legacy of suffering hurt and pain that there can be healing new life and a new vocation for them too let us sing together